Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Welcome, everybody. We're really happy to welcome Middleburg Martial Arts, Ripple Effect Martial Arts instructors, Master Rachel Macy, Mr. Braden, and Miss Becky, who are all black belts and instructors in the new Florida School of Middleburg Martial Arts and Ripple Effect Martial Arts. Uh, welcome to the program, everybody. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah, so can we get just a little bit of background? You, you have a new school, is that right? Yes, sir. We have had Middleburg Martial Arts here in Middleburg, Florida for over 20 years now. Um, and we are opening the new location in Fleming Island, which will be a Ripple Effect school. We're running classes now, but our grand opening is going to be in October. What motivated you to open up a new location in Fleming Island? Ah, that's a good question. So honestly, like I said, we've been in, in Middleburg for over 20 years, and I know we have impacted so many families. We're at a point now where we're having some of our previous students come in with their kids or, you know, grandparents who brought their kids here who are now bringing their grandkids in, into our program. And so just seeing how that has made such a strong impact in so many lives and even having students who come back um, who earned their second or third degree black belts with us. And we did an interview series last summer. Um, and so we had students that graduated from Annapolis or went to college on full ride scholarships are now in these incredible management positions coming back and sharing with us how much our program, martial arts, and the leadership development that they learned impacted their lives and their success. So just being able to spread that and share that with as many students as possible is our goal. So multiple generations of martial artists has kind of been the tradition going back millennia. It seems like that's continuing through your school. Mr. Braden, what's your history in the martial arts? It's a, it's a weird history, um, but it's the same thing. Uh, my dad did martial arts when he was a kid, and um, I have always been very much into ninjas and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, typical <laughs> like little kid stuff. And then my neighbor coincidentally went to Middle Road Martial Arts, and I took my first class here, and fast forward nine and a half years later, and here we are. <laughs> nine, so here. almost 10 years you've been training at Middleburg? Almost 10 years now. Wow. So I want to get into that too. But Miss Becky, tell us a little bit about how you came into the martial arts. My son started when he was 10. And then about nine months later, um, I had tried it for a month because during January, parents get and families get to train for free. And at the end of the month, I was kind of all in told. My son and I trained together. We actually tested for our first degree black belts together. And then about a few months later, they asked me to come and be an employee and help with the Fleming location. And at that time, that's where I lived. So I was super excited. And, and now I have my second degree and working on my third and just love it. Master Macy, talk a little bit about your history in the martial arts, because I know you have a, a, a legacy there too. Yeah, it's a long, it's a long <laughs> story. Okay, so I, um, I actually started training when I was really young. I was about four years old. And I started going back, all of you guys spent a family thing, right? Um, and that is a huge part of our, our program is the, the family atmosphere that we have. And I think a big part of that is the foundation for all of us was family. But when I was four years old, my parents both trained and all of my siblings trained. So um, I wanted to be like everybody else. So I remember begging my parents to let me take karate class. And our, our school in California um, did not start until students were four. 
And so when, as soon as I turned four, I'm pretty sure I went like the day after my birthday and I was so excited to take my first karate class um, and immediately fell in love with being the leader in the class and helping to teach. I um, was helping my mom to teach the Tigers and Dragons program, which are little guys. Um, when I was like six years old, I would help them with warm ups and things like that. And it just has been a passion of mine my entire life. It's never, never really faded or left. It's something that no matter where I was or what I was doing, Martial arts is always a huge part of my life. Mr. Braden, Master Macy just talked about being four years old and excited about being a leader. You're the youngest among this group we have right now. What does it feel like? (laughs) (laughs) What does it feel like to be leading people who are older? Because I know you have a, a lot of parents who are in the program, a lot of adults and what is it like to to instruct someone, uh, teach them in how to fight, how to defend themselves, how to be leaders and, and more charismatic and confident when you're younger than they are? Do you have any perspective on that? Um, it is something that I've thought about, and it is a weird thing to think about that I have people that are two times my age that I'm teaching them life skills that I learned um, you know, as a younger kid. And, it, and I can definitely say without a doubt, it's this school right here. Everything that I've learned and everything that I am able to teach was stuff that I learned early on. And it's, it's very humbling to be able to teach those skills to adults because even adults need a, a reminder that there are little things that we can always work on and improve on. Um, and that's, that's, it's also kind of showing humility to the, or the students are showing that humility that even though there is someone younger than me, they do know things that they can take upon themselves and learn and take home and apply it to where they need to in their lives. Well, I think that's a huge part of our philosophy too, is that no matter where you are in life, whether it's in martial arts, no matter how high ranking you are or how old you are or how young you are, you always have something to learn from people. I know we always are constantly learning from our students, even the five-year-old students we, you know, we learn from. And so I think that's something that we um, embody and then that we share with our students and we really teach in our culture is that you're always learning and you're always able to learn from somebody or never be on that point. Miss Becky or Master Macy, what's something you've learned from a kid or your own kids in the course of martial arts training? I think for me, um, my son started for confidence a little bit. Uh, He was really scared to try anything. And now he's going to be 19 years old. And I have seen that confidence. Sometimes I say he has a little bit too much confidence, but that confidence grow and him just be assertive. And he's now, you know, more of a leader and he never was that. So seeing that improve in my own child and now teaching, seeing other children, you know, that need confidence and that improving, I just think it's amazing. What do you think it has to do with the specifics of martial arts? So the the punching and kicking, uh, for example. It, so can we establish first, it's Tong Sudo that you teach in, in your school at Fleming Island? Yes, sir. What about Tong Sudo is specific? So if you had a kid in a trigonometry program or something like that, they'd be learning something specific about mathematics. Is there something about Tong Sudo that you believe that is really instrumental in helping kids develop? I see a nod right there. So go ahead, Mr. Yeah. Ray. 
well, it's it's the traditionalism. Uh, a lot of it falls back upon the backbone of martial arts, which is the the focus, the discipline, the concentration, the leadership, all of those those details that make black belts black belts. Uh, that makes all of the instructors role models for the kids, the adults, anyone who's taking that class. Um, that's why Tom Sudo is such a, a beautiful martial art is that everything falls back upon those, that, that backbone of what, uh, not only what we teach, but what other martial arts uh, teach as well. That's why it's very impactful in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you completely. The traditionalism is, is exactly what I would say too. I think, um, practicing forms that have been around for so long and something that you have to do thousands of times before you, you do that first form 10,000 times at least before you get to black belt and before you're considered excellent at it, right? And that takes a lot of self-discipline and focus and character. And that, I think that traditionalism and that piece of Tong Sudo is what makes our black belts not just very good martial artists and not just able to protect themselves but also really good characters, having the focus and the discipline and the leadership and the confidence and all of those traits as well. So the carrying forward of tradition is enormous. And I think that's something that people associate when they think of martial arts, that it hasn't begun yesterday. It, even if a school opened yesterday, there's some carrying on, there's some representation of something deeper in history that that school is bringing forward. And when you're talking about Korean martial arts, there is just these thousands of years of history. And is that anything that you delve into with your students? Is there any kind of um, historical or geographical perspective of where their martial art com comes from? Absolutely. So actually we do a lot of that. Even our, our beginners and lower ranking students, um, every belt test, they're required to know a certain amount of history and terminology. And then they have a hundred question written test when they test for black belt. And then it gets a little harder at second degree and they're required to know more terminology and more history. So it grows. But by the time you get to our advanced classes, all of the commands are in Korean. So when we're bowing in and out of class, when we ask the students to do a low block, we say it in Korean, right? So there's a lot of use of Korean terminology, um, as well as the history and the culture of not only just our association, but martial arts in general that are we teach to our students. It's something that's really interesting to parents, I think, and especially as back to school is getting back in session and so many kids have been out of school for a year or more. And it's like, well, what does martial arts bring to my kid's life that they're not getting in school or, or at home. And that's a good example. I remember when my oldest daughter was taking her first classes and they were doing push-ups and counting Korean, I thought, wow, <laughs> that was not something I expected to her to learn or to participate in. Miss Becky, what motivated you to move on to teach? I just saw the benefits of it. You know, being here and being a student and just being a parent, I just seen it change so many lives that I just totally believed in the program. And so it was easy to me to uh, want to teach it. So it was very natural for her. She immediately, even before she was ever teaching classes, she was the one, you know, as a white belt, she was helping the other students in class, making sure they were lined up. Or if someone didn't know what they were doing, she was answering their questions. So she definitely has a natural knack for just 
helping everybody and she's very nurturing and she was a natural instructor before she was ever officially an instructor. That's a really good example of how the karate school serves individuals. So it sounds like Miss Becky, you are inclined, you have an instinct to help other people learn, but sometimes there isn't that opportunity, right? On the street or at a grocery store or something, there isn't necessarily the structure to teach people. It, it sounds like you were inclined to come aboard at a karate school because there was that chance to, to help teach. Yes, and I mean, the main reason why I did it is because it was something really cool to do with my kid, you know? And I try so hard to tell all of our other parents and our new parents, like, you should really give it a try. It's amazing. I mean, how empowering to test for your black belt with your child or your children. It, it was just the most amazing feeling. And then, you know, just seeing over the years it impact all of the kids' lives and even some parents' lives. It, it impacted my life in different ways that I didn't think it would. People, I think, have an idea of what that means. They've, they've seen it. There's a mythology about it. But you just talked about how it feels to earn your black belt. And what does it feel like? What What is the before black belt and the having earned my black belt? Any stories? Um, personally, uh, one of my all-time favorite sayings that I've I've always had kind of lasered in my head, even before I was serious about training, was you don't earn a black belt, you become a black belt. So regardless of me wearing a first-degree black belt or a fourth-degree master belt, it's your attitude and all of those those attributes that follow along with it. Um, for me personally, uh, before black belt, um, I was I learned a lot of those life skills, but I never applied them. And I, I can say that, un unfortunately, but... And that's kind of how I was. And then once I got that black belt, it was a sense of now I am, I'm in a position where I have to help others. And if I can't help myself, how can I expect to help others? Um, so it, it was that moment of realization, like this is something that I want to do. It's, it's weird. It's, it's not something that you choose to do. It's something that happens that just kind of takes over you and you, you do it subconsciously. I think you put it just beautifully that I now have a responsibility to teach other people. Um, I honestly, it was a long time ago that I got my first degree and I honestly <laughs> don't remember how it felt, but I know that each belt oh, test right. just becomes, because it's a little bit harder, it becomes even more important, right? And even more empowering. And I know that when I tested for my, my fourth degree, it was, I mean, and just every test before them was the same way. It was like, this was one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. And that's the reality. If, if getting a black belt was easy, everyone would be a black belt. If, if getting to master's belt was easy, everyone would have a master's belt. And it's not. So it does take a lot of hard work and it's a lot of fun on the way, but it takes a lot of hard work. And knowing through that you just went through this intense testing weekend and you did it is so empowering. And I know I felt it a little bit each time one of our students gets to black belt. You can see their emotions and what they're feeling and, and how, how that feels to them. And I have just seen so many people feel so incredibly empowered. And I've had students say to me, you know, they'll go to do something in their career to make this leap forward in their career for the adults or in school or try out for this new sport or whatever it might be. And what they'll say to me is like, well, if I could get to black belt, if I can make it through that, then I can definitely make it through this. This career jump is nothing. I can, I can handle this. And that's the piece of empowerment 
that we talk about is that feeling of I can accomplish something huge. I am capable. I have the discipline. I have the, you know, control over this to achieve very big goals. And that I think is, is the most important thing to people after getting that goal. Does that come about upon reflection, you think, to most people? Or is it something that happens in the process? It, it, that is, is it, it just in your own experience, is it something that you thought as I'm a green belt, a red belt, a brown belt, testing for my black belt, do you anticipate what it's going to be like? I think it's absolutely upon reflection. I think even as you talk to the students who are just about to test for black belt, they have no idea how it's going to feel. They just know this is hard. <laughs> and it's getting harder. And I haven't really, I have this big audacious goal in front of me that I haven't re- achieved yet. Right. And it's almost like you cramming for tests before you take the test. You don't get that sense of gratitude until you're done with the test. And you get the A on your, on your um, grade book or whatever it is. You feel that afterwards. And that sense of accomplishment, you feel all of those, those little milestones you feel along the way and all those tiny accomplishments and the work getting harder and harder. And there are, is a lot of um, satisfaction from that, of just completing a really hard workout or competing in a tournament or doing the next belt test. But all of those things combined still are nothing to actually achieving that final goal and then reflecting back upon it on what that means to you. What's the exciting part initially of martial arts for kids who come into the school? What do they love to, to do or see? Personally, I think it's, it's the same thing that happened with me. Um, you, you see all of it on TV. You see it all in the movies, like Power Rangers. And then you learn about ninjas. And then you figure out Bruce Lee. And then you get to look at like boxing and UFC. And you're like, I want to learn how to do that. And then you come in here. And then you get really excited because your instructor is making the class super-duper fun. They're talking about how awesome we are. We're talking about how we're going to be as future black belts and how we're going to set ourselves up to be future ninjas and I feel like they get really excited when they get that that sense of like I'm becoming what I see on TV I, I feel like that's a really big part of it is too it's that, that visualization that they get and if I could add to that I think so so uh, Master Lappin is our founder she is a background in psychology and we have a very strong emphasis on life skill development which is huge for our parents for bringing in their kids that's really what what they want out of martial arts and what we, our goal is to teach for martial arts. So for newer students, there are a lot of little things, you know, getting to black belt takes about five years. So of course, somebody doesn't walk in our door when they're five years old and think, I'm so excited about achieving this goal five years from now. They just don't. They're not, at five years old, you're not thinking five years from now. But what the way we have our program structured, they, you know, the, the younger ones have belt testing every two months. So they're, they have these small milestone goals and that feels huge at that point in your training. That's amazing. An amazing feeling to get that new belt. Nothing like anything you've ever felt. Um, and it just gets better and better the more they work. So there's a lot of short term rewards that go into the growth. And I think that's the part that's super exciting for the newer students who have no idea what it means to get to black belt yet and no idea how that's going to feel. They, but the small rewards that they start feeling in the beginning are really, I think some of the most exciting things for them too. Any stories that you have of even just little stories of somebody didn't want to come out on the mat or didn't want to show off in front of the class and and you helped him to do that? Mr. Braden's our guru with connecting with the little kids and getting them on the mats when they're when they're scared. So I'll let you share that. 
where do I begin? <laughs> We've had quite a few kids. I mean, they're kids, of course. They're coming somewhere where they have never been. They don't know what to expect. They just see a lot of people. They're making a lot of loud noise. They don't know what to do. Perfect example, yesterday, we had a brand new uh, boy. He came in for a class the week prior and didn't do it whatsoever. He was he was running the 50-meter dash the whole class, and he was just not ready to, for that class. And he came in the next week, and I sat down and talked with him and kind of talked about, like, you know, this is what it means to be a martial artist and how we – what we do as black belts. And we got him to calm down. He took class and earned his white belt in that class, and he was using his three ways that we show respect. And there's there was a lot that it took to get him to be able to sit still because, again, they don't know what to do. You know, they're nervous. They're freaking out a little bit. But um, we got him calmed down. We had a lot of fun, and he he left with a big smile on his face. Um, and that was that's the biggest reward for me is getting those kids excited to come back again to have an even better class next time. Miss Becky, does that trend in in your life um, as a as a mom has that translated from the karate school to home? That kind of discipline where I need you to sit down right now, or I need you to go to bed, or I need you to read your book or do your homework. Did that translate from karate to home? home I'm very fortunate and a lot of moms might say this but we had really good kids so as far as like the discipline part of it we really didn't have much issues with our boys but it was the confidence for my youngest and just trying to bring him out of the shell but like Brayden said I I know of another story we have a little girl here that when she started I mean it was like two or three weeks before we could get her to do anything so one day I said do you want to come up and help me teach and although she didn't do a whole lot then every time she saw me, she finally started talking to me. And now to see her, you know, several months later, she's out there, she's participating, she's raising her hand for questions. We actually got her dad to join, which was super duper cool. I'm working on the mom too, but just seeing that, especially confidence, because that's why we started. I think it's work? harder sometimes for parents to get out there with their kids. And so I try to get every parent to at least try it. I do because look at me, like before I was fortunate to be a stay-at-home mom, I was in the medical field. I mean, that's what my degree is in. And now I teach martial arts. Like who would have ever thought that, you know, and especially being closer to, I'm almost 50 years old. And that's pretty awesome to say. I just think for parents, it is, first of all, something great you can do as a family. And second of all, I just think that we learn so much that we can apply to being parents and, you know, just being ourselves that's different than kids apply. So for me, it has helped me grow and become even more confident and, you know, just be more organized in life. Just our life skills just help me so much as well. Master Macy, what about your kids? Have you seen that with them too? Uh, absolutely. As soon as you asked that question, uh, it was probably six months ago. We have gold meetings once a month with our leadership students. And these are uh, gold stands for guidance on leadership development. So we meet with them and we cover different skills like um, public speaking is the one that I'm thinking of and um, different things like how to introduce yourself and prioritization and goal setting and all of these different skills that are really valuable. And um, for most kids and even adults, there's not very many places where they can learn those. So we do those things in our leadership program. Um, I have two daughters, um, one who's just getting started, and then my seven-year-old who's in our leadership program. And at that gold meeting that we were covering public speaking, she was, so we did a thing that we asked all of our kids, whoever wants to can stand up and do a 60-second um, 
elevator speech. You can talk about why you love karate or you can talk about whatever you want to. You can talk about um, school or the other hobbies. Well, you can talk about anything. And we had about 60 people in that, in that gold meeting, whether they were on virtually or in person. And so for my daughter, whose biggest thing is confidence and, you know, a little bit of pressure standing up in front of everybody and talking just for, you know, about 60 seconds was a huge deal. And she still talks about it. She's like, do you remember when I stood up and gave that speech? And it was so simple, right? She wrote it herself and it was like, my name is Tegan. I love karate. My favorite thing about karate is, you know what I mean? It was very simple, but it was so powerful for her to have that moment of, I just stood up in front of 60 people and gave a speech. And it's the same thing when she's, she's competed in a couple tournaments, but just to be able to get up in front of people and know they're all watching you and judging you and be able to handle that pressure. I know for myself, I started when I was a kid, that was something that gave me the confidence to, you know, run for class treasurer and class secretary and things like that and have no problem public speaking and things like that when I was in high school and college. So it was one of those skills for me is so heartwarming that I know that she felt and that she still, like I said, talks about all the time. It can be one of your earliest opportunities and it's not an inborn skill, right? To publicly speak. Can we talk about the environment of karate just for a second there are when you're asked to come up front and publicly speak in a karate class it's tends to be silent right everybody's at attention and listening when you come up to do a form at a karate tournament it tends to be extraordinarily loud cacophonous right and what's uh what's your experience in either your personal experience or instructing other kids in how to handle that silence and attention and focus on you or the the din the, the the real noise of having to perform in an environment that seems a little chaotic yeah. i love how you look right <laughs> <at me. laughs> we do actually have a really fun drill that we practice with our kids which works on this skill and we call it our focus drill or distractions whatever and um we'll have the kids stand in the middle of a group and do their form whatever form they're working on and they have to do it without smiling. And the whole rest of the class is around them, like making faces or joking or jumping around, trying to distract them. And it's fun and it's funny. Um, and they have a blast, but it takes a lot of focus and self-control and things like that. And I think the most incredible part about all of this, and as soon as you mentioned, let's talk about the atmosphere at a martial arts school, right? There is that. There are so many things that are a little bit different, a little bit weird that the like, first time they come into class, they've never been in an atmosphere like this usually. And the cool part is though, we do have such a strong family atmosphere. I think every student feels very, very supported and encouraged and motivated. So there's those instances where, okay, I'm putting myself out of the comfort zone. And I'm going to go to the front of the class and I'm going to talk, but I know because I know everybody here, I know the instructors really, truly care about me. I know the students want, want me to succeed. They're going to cheer for me. They're going to support me. They're all going to encourage me and help me if I need it. So they're learning these skills, which are very scary and very hard to learn. Um, public speaking is one of the top fears of people. I think it's second of, of human fears. Um, and so to be able to overcome that and conquer that, it takes a very safe environment for especially a child to be able to face that and confront that and deal with it. So I think that that atmosphere that we do have here is a huge part of why we're able to do that with our students. What would you say is the best, the, the best reason for 
joining a karate program where you're set up to earn a black belt. Um, it's it's different, right? From a from a gym or from a fitness program where you don't necessarily have any defined goals, and the sign up is for four or five years at least, and you have, like you said, many people who have been continuing for generations. What is the motivation when you're coming in and you say, yeah, I'm going to try this out. What do you say to someone who's going, I'm not sure what I'm getting into, or what is it that you say about black belt that makes someone think, I do want to do this. I want to continue. This is my goal. I think it's our leadership skills. Um, I mean, kids and parents come out of here as leaders. They're going to have that discipline. They're going to have confidence. Um, Some of our kids haven't done very well in school and their grades have come up. Um, I think as far as, you know, just knowing the difference between right and wrong, you know, integrity is is something we're big on and and teaching these kids those life skills, I think it's huge. So we are preparing them for these skills before they even actually have to use them. You know, like when you go to your interview and you look someone in the eye and you shake their hand, I mean, seems simple, but we are teaching them how to do that and how to, you know, put themselves out there and become successful in life. (laughs) It's different for everybody, right? That's the thing. My girls are in gymnastics and soccer as well. And I've never, ever had one of their coaches ask me how their confidence is or even think about it or or not that they don't care. They do, you know, care about the kids, but it's different when they're not when they know I'm just going to work with them on soccer for the next six weeks. It's very different then when we meet a student that same day, we're sitting down talking to the parent one-on-one, what's going on with your child? What life skills are you specifically feeling like Johnny needs out of our program? And then we spend the next five years working very specifically on that confidence development or that focus or that self-control or whatever it may be. So I think the key there, just like Ms. Davis was saying, is it's different for everybody but it's the life skills that really make it make it such a valuable program. Can you tell us when you are open for classes, where you're where you're located and how people can sign up or inquire about taking classes? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now we are our building is being built um, right next to Fleming Island High School. Um, until our building is open, we are running classes um, right around the corner, uh, actually in the same parking lot inside the town hall and event center in Fleming Island. Um, so you guys can go to myfreekarate.com and fill in your contact info and reach out to us or give us a call and we can um, schedule your first free introductory class. You heard it here, myfreekarate.com. Visit and sign up and get started at Ripple Effect Martial Arts Fleming Island. Thank you so much, everybody, for talking today and best of luck with the official opening of the school. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at rippleeffectmartialarts.com.